This is episode number 331 with Erin Brockovich. The Show. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? This episode is brought to you by Bio-Optimizers. You guys know I'm a massive health nut. And what I've learned through all my study is that there's one mineral that you need to make sure that you're getting enough of, and that is magnesium. Now, magnesium is the body's master mineral, powering over 300 critical reactions, including detoxification, fat metabolism, energy, and digestion. Now, most supplements contain only one to two forms of magnesium when there are seven that your body needs and benefits from. The good news is, is that when you get all seven critical forms of magnesium, pretty much every function in your body gets upgraded from your brain to your sleep, to pain and inflammation. It all improves and fast. That's why I'm so excited that my friends over at BioOptimizers have formulated Magnesium Breakthrough, the ultimate magnesium supplement with all seven forms of magnesium. For 10% off with the code MELISSA, head to magbreakthrough.com forward slash MELISSA. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H dot com forward slash M-E-L-I-S-S-A. Bio-optimizers are so confident that you're going to like it that they'll give you all your money back if you don't. So head to magbreakthrough.com forward slash MELISSA to get yourself some magnesium today. Say the name Erin Brockovich and you think strong, tough, stubborn, and sexy. Erin is all of that and definitely more. She's a modern day David who loves a good brawl with today's Goliath. She thrives on being the voice for those who don't know how to yell. She is a rebel, a fighter, a mother, a woman. She is you and me. She is a renowned consumer advocate who is righting wrongs every day on multiple fronts. If you or someone you love has suffered because of a medical device or a pharmaceutical, environmental contaminant, or because of something or someone else, get Erin on your side. Guys, I am so excited for this episode. She is a powerhouse. You are going to love it because we dive deep into Erin's fighting nature and her passion to uncover the truth. She also talks about her new book, Why Superman is Not Coming, which is all about how to solve the global water crisis and why we must become the true heroes in the narrative. We also talk about why water is the most precious resource and why we should be fighting to protect it and how our current warlike relationship with nature is leading us down our own destructive path. We also chat about why our own backyards are the key starting points for massive change in favor of mother nature. 
We also dive into how to flip our disappointment around and transform it into impactful acts for the environment, why trust isn't free and how you should act when the COVID-19 vaccine starts to get distributed, how fighting for a cause unites women and makes them unstoppable, her inspiring definition of success, plus so much more. You guys are not going to want to miss this episode. It's incredibly empowering. She makes you want to fist pump many times throughout the episode. She's out there being a voice for those who don't know how to yell. So for everything that Erin and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 331. Now, before we dive in, I want to read the review of the week. And this week, it is a five-star review from Hilary Clare, and it's titled Inspiring Podcast. And Hilary says, this is one of my go-to podcasts each week. Melissa has amazing guests and is incredible at empowering her listeners to make a healthier life for themselves. Thank you so much, Hillary, for that beautiful review. I'm so grateful. And as a little thank you to you, Hillary, and anyone who leaves me a review on iTunes, send me a screenshot of your review to hello at melissaambrosini.com and I'm going to gift you my wildly wealthy guided meditation. And for anyone who leaves me a review on Amazon for either Mastering Your Mean Girl or Open Wide, I'm going to gift you my Bursting With Love guided meditation as a little thank you. So all you have to do is send in a screenshot to hello at melissaambrosini.com and I will email that over to you right away. And now without further ado, let's bring on the incredible Erin Brockovich. Erin, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? I'm not a big breakfast eater, and I get scolded for that a lot. So I'm going to say a cup of coffee. No one's going to scold you here. Don't worry. (laughs) I've started working out a lot again, and it's always about your diet, and I'm aware of that. I'm allergic to eggs, and I'm allergic to cheese, and I just can't get the oatmeal down. Fair enough. So usually a cup of coffee is what gets me going and I'll eat closer to lunch. I love it. I love it. So for those that may have never heard of you, I just want to give a little bit of a backstory. Julia Roberts played you in the hit film, Erin Brockovich, which came out in 2000. And in 2010, she won an Academy Award for it. Now, I know you've probably told this story so many times, but how did this all come about? And what was that like for you having this film made about you and having one of the best actresses in the world play you? Well, it came about when I was working at the law firm of Mastery and Vitato, and I was uh, a single, really struggling mom. And I started in their work comp department and kind of worked my way up into PI. And I was in my office one day and Ed came in with a box full of documents He wasn't really looking for me. He was looking for one of the other, you know, assistants in that department by the name of Diane. And I said she was at lunch and normally something she'd look for, you know, through. And he gave the box to me and I started looking through the box and, you know, reading documents, things weren't making sense to me. There was medical records in there. All the kids' blood work was odd. You know, the white counts were off and it was easy enough to 
to decipher that because it was done on a graph. So you could see what was out of, you know, limits, the lab results too high, too high. And it just made me curious. And it was curiosity that got me started. And I asked Ed for permission to, you know, look into it. And he's kind of blew me off and said, yeah, sure, sure. And that's how the case started. I certainly never thought when I was doing that or really anywhere during the first two years of what was going on that somebody come along and find it of interest for a film. Mm -hmm. I'm still baffled. Mm. Wow. Wow. And I just wanted to correct myself. It was 2001. I think I said 2010, but 2001 that she won that award. Yeah. It's surreal. Yeah. You still pinch yourself. You're like, how did this all happen? I don't. Yeah. I don't know that I often think about it. I think, you know, I'm more perplexed that I started something. I got involved and it wasn't just me, you know, it was the mother out there, Roberta Walker, and people weren't listening to her. And she had the fortitude to keep pushing through and found Ed and, you know, Ed was busy and then Ed passed it off to me. And it, it, you know, it's, it was a huge team effort to ultimately get where we ended up. But for me, I'm just, I don't think about it that much or that way. I'm just always baffled by, I was just doing the right thing. And something was wrong. And to realize, like, when the film came out, that it wasn't just Hinkley, but it was, like, the entire United States of America, if not the entire globe, that is always where my thoughts have been. I, I, you know, I still see things today. I mean, we're getting ready to start a, we're getting ready to film a pilot for a new TV series called Rebel, and it's inspired by me. And once in a while, I stop, or there's a headline out there, like, today, you know, the Aaron Brockovich consumer rising. And, and I, I just, I just think, I don't know how unusual it all is, but I never, I don't talk about much. I'm just focused on my work and, and what's going on. But there are days where I'm just like, this is odd, not <laughs> odd in a bad way, but I don't know how one finds themselves <laughs> in that position. <laughs> I didn't yeah. prepare for it. Yeah, I want to hear more about the TV series. What is that about? Well, we just got option to finally start shooting the pilot. I hope that it doesn't get delayed again with COVID. And, you know, we have rising numbers in California. But Rebel is a character that's played by Katie Segal. And the attorney will be Andy Garcia. And there's the writer, Krista Vernoff. She's the head writer for Grey's Anatomy. And the show just will move through many characters, but based on, you know, real stuff like Hinkley and things that are going on around the world. But Rebels, you know, she's a character and she's feisty and <laughs> she wants things done and she will push to get it done or get people's voices heard. So we'll start shooting the pilot here soon. Fingers crossed. So that's what Rebels about. And I'm an executive producer and it's inspired by me. And so, you know, I still have all these things that come to us. You know, it still amazes me. It's 2020 and people don't know that these issues are going on. I know, right? And it's a good platform, like a podcast. My book coming out in a month, Superman's Not Coming, to... Because I've been in the field, you know, I'm a foot soldier, if you will, on the ground for over 20 years throughout this country and around the world. And 
when you get that platform and people are listening or paying attention and they're like, what? That's still going on? Wow. I mean, just like when Hinkley came out, you know, people were like, no, that couldn't be happening. Water's not really green and there's no two-headed frog. And wait a minute, is this real? Could that be me? Is it me? Maybe it's already me. And I think that's what I'm most hopeful for is to inform others of what's going on, to pass the torch to them. I cannot do this alone. And there's never an I. It's always a we. Mm -hmm. And people, when they have the support to know that it's okay to speak up and to get involved, they become very empowered. It's always surprising to me how absent we are from our neighbors or we don't know our neighbors or we don't want to believe something's happening or we think because we're not this or that, we can't get involved and nothing's further from the truth. And the people always amaze me. I'm always on their side. And when they know, they will rise. Rebel's uh, the feisty side of me. <laughs> She's still alive and well. <laughs> Well, I'm so excited for the show. I'm also really excited for the book. The title sounds amazing. I can't wait to read it. Yeah, Superman is not coming. I love it. Yes, it's Superman is not coming. Our national water crisis and what we the people can do. I think the book might really, if you don't close the book and you're not pissed off, well, I'm not sure what's going to get to you because how stuff is hidden or concealed, or it's this whole shell game, or if you find it, or going through the litigation or the struggles of the people, it is so real about the water crisis and how we as people, I don't know if we got comfortable or complacent, or if there was a false sense of security, or we lost the belief of ourselves that we just thought something would be taken care of. And we're finding out that's not what's happened. And I think we are waking up. We're in a really tumultuous time in this universe and on this planet. And it's like a collision of stars has come together where we've almost had a peek behind the curtain. I don't know if we've had that pause to find ourselves again. And we are waking up. We are rising up. And I'm actually really very excited about that because it will take us, the people, to correct many of the issues. We're always looking for a hero and we forget that, that we can be that hero or we already are a hero. And to find ourselves again and believe in ourselves. Yeah. I was so struck out in Hinkley how many people in the beginning would say to me, you're not a doctor, you're not a lawyer, you're not a scientist. What do you know? And I'm like, that struck me. I don't have to be any of that to be a human being and to see that someone's suffering and to tell you that green water and two-headed frogs is really screwed up. And I think we've forgotten that we are human and that's special in of itself. And when we live in an environment and we see things and we know things and the idea that we couldn't speak out because we don't fit a certain label of doctor or lawyer or politician or whatever still amazes me. And I think that's been going on all this time. And this, there's this moment 
for we in humanity that I think we're waking up. I totally agree. And we've all been given a voice to use our voice. And a lot of people might think of you only as this environmental activist, but you are so much more than that. You are an activist for awareness, for telling the truth, and for people's right to know the truth. So what are you most passionate about right now? Is it the water? Is that what's really getting you fired up right now? Well, yes, it's the it's definitely the, the book, Superman's Not Coming. And it's coming out at a moment where water, in a way, is almost the metaphor for everything else that's going on. Water is life. Mm-hmm. And it starts right there. And if I think about this all the time. We are, what, more than 70%, 76% water? I mean, we are water. Water is life. And for me, that's worth fighting for. Because without it, there is no us. And this awakening of we, the people, of I as an individual, of humanism and the value and the love of everything that makes us who we are in this society today and being able to fly to Australia and get in our cars and all of that comes from this planet. And we've taken too much and getting back to that for the value of all of us on this planet. And that is what I'm most passionate about. And I'm most passionate about seeing people that moment where they're like, yes, you know, or they don't, ah, it's so hard to believe sometimes because we don't want to believe that through some type of greed or agenda, information was put over here or put away in a box, which is where I always find it, that somebody wouldn't say to us, we are defenseless to protect ourselves, our family, our health, and our welfare in the absence of that information. And for some other agenda, we didn't know that. And I'm most passionate about when we, as an individual, recognize the power of our voice and the empowerment of that and joining with our neighbors and believing that we can is what makes me most excited. Mm, Oh my gosh, you can definitely feel it. Like you're getting me all revved up. I'm like, what can I do? What can I help? How can I help? You know? Yes. I mean, it's exciting though. Totally. And we've got to be Mother Nature's hands. We are her hands and her voice. And you said before, you know, we take, 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 take so much from the beautiful earth and just expect it to thrive and to be as beautiful as it is. And it's just not okay when we've got to give back. We've got to be her hands and give back to her. Absolutely. And, you know, I worry over decades that we've tried to control nature or damage her. It's almost a war with her. And a war like that does nothing but destroy ourselves. And instead of trying to master her or him or or nature, it's usually her because you're never going to, the power of it is indescribable, but rather master ourselves. And, And in that respect and protect this planet. Mm, Absolutely. Well, we are part of nature. Absolutely. I think we, you know, man has this ego. You know, my dad always said, man 
ego is their biggest stumbling block and the force and the power of nature and the universe. I mean, we pale in comparison, but if we can know ourselves and be a part of that, we can do better. We can do more, especially when it's all of us to protect our home. We all love our home, right? My home is here, but my home is this planet. And I think it's up to all of us to give back. And your analogy is correct. I used to think of it as a ATM. You know, if you go to the bank and you just withdraw cash and withdraw and withdraw and withdraw and you never make a deposit, what happens? (laughs) The bank will say, oh, no more. We're empty all out, right? And I think this planet's under strain. And I do. I've been in quarantine myself for about four months. What a shock for all of us. I mean, it's like the world stopped. The world just stood still. So there's, I've said in my lectures before, you know, we're spinning faster and faster and faster. And just like a computer, when too much data comes in at once, it just like slows down and you see that blue thing spin and spin and spin. We're headed for that if we're not careful. And I think that reset, that pause, that reboot we're in it right now. Totally. So what are some of the things that we can do to give back to the planet? You've done so much research. You know this so well. How can we give back? To give back, you know, is to just to get involved. It was very interesting. I have a young intern that's helping me right now. She's 17. And and she said, you know, what can I do? And I said, you know what you could do is reach out. I'm very interested in in the, the, these next generations, just reach out to your friends on Instagram and, and find out if in their backyard, do you know what goes on in your own backyard to see if they know of anything environmental issue? I was really surprised what they knew. And the next step that they often don't know what to take is how to get involved. And I have found by talking to neighbors, and I often find how often we don't do that, and getting involved at your local level. We always think the agency, federal, state, or some oversight's got this, but if you, in your own backyard, city council, even showed up, I think that's the first step, us having participation in being involved in our local councils and our local communities, because oftentimes they don't know if something's going on if we don't show up. And so not to be afraid, that's one of the first things to do, not be afraid. I think we're afraid to say that we've seen something, or especially in the environment, because people will say, oh, that couldn't be happening, or you're silly, or you're not that scientist, you know, be careful what you're talking about. And we throttle back and we end up saying nothing. But to believe in what you see and what you're experiencing and reach out to someone else, even if, you know, they tell you, ah, you're crazy. We just don't, you know, uh, don't go away. It's, it's called stick tuitiveness. I talk about this all the time. My mom taught me about it. It's definition, propensity to follow through in a determined manner, dogged persistence born of obligation and stubbornness. And so if you know of something and it, the first go around, you know, you get pushed away, have that stick keep coming back and keep coming back. And that's something that we can do. And, you know, I, I share all the time about realization, which is realizing 
the power of who you are, your own voice, that you don't have to fit any particular, you know, filing system or fit in some certain little box to say something and realize that you have the courage to speak up, even if someone disagrees with you and assess not what we have, but who you are. Who are you? Are you courageous? If you think you're not, work on that. It's okay. That's the thing that I love about assessing who we are. You know, it's like real estate. So you find a house and you want it and the appraisal comes in low. What do you do? You kind of go in and fix something up or maybe go remodel a bathroom. And we can do the same thing with ourselves. And when you do, how you see and perceive yourself just rises and rises with assessing and making new accomplishments. And mostly it's our motivation and it's true. And what is the difference between somebody with, you know, talent like me? I don't have a lot of so-called talents, if you will, like singing and all of those things, but yet I found some success. And then oftentimes we see people who have these amazing talents, but maybe haven't found their success. And the difference between it is your motivation. You your motivation. And so one of the first steps they can do is get involved locally, listen. You know, we don't, if we may be listening, but did you really hear what someone said and not be afraid to go a step further? If you feel something's wrong, I encourage people to work with your gut. Oh, I think we've all had that moment where you're like, oh no, that doesn't seem right to me. Stay with that. Go with that. Don't question that. And that's the first step. The first step is truly believing that you can. Absolutely. We all can. And I love that you've brought it back to just starting in our own backyards because often we can feel like, well, I want to change the world and I want to help so many people. But what are you doing on your local level? You know, look in your backyard. It's so very, very true. We think that everything comes from the top down. Imagine of all the issues we have, if we as individuals and we as communities dealt with what's happening right in our own backyard and every town and every city and every state and every country did that, we might fix issues right in our own backyard. Totally. If you could write a letter to Trump, what would you say? I'm disappointed. I don't know that you get it. And that makes me sad for all of us. I don't, sometimes people can't get out of their own way. Disappointment. Greatly. You just, I don't know. I, I, it would be, I I don't think you get it. And I don't think you, you get the people. I don't think you understand the value of water and air and land and love and family. I'm not sure. But it feels like I'm so disappointed in our leadership. That's the first word that comes to my mind. I'm just, I'm disappointed. I don't think you get it. I don't know what else to say. You know, you could say, I guess, anything and everything, but I I don't know that it would be heard. And that I find very frustrating. So when that happens, that's when I disengage and I roll my sleeves up. Reminds me of my dad. You want to get something done? Sometimes you just got to do it yourself. And uh, I think that's what we're, we're going to do. 
You are definitely doing that. And that's one of the things I love about you. You're like, all right, okay, I'm going to roll my sleeves up. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to get dirty and I'm going to do the work. And that's something amazing about you that I love and admire. Well, what is that saying, the definition of, I don't know, insanity or something doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result? And I think writing a letter, I've seen it all the time and I've seen so many people and it's been many administrations that we've misstepped. And what I wish any leader could do more of is just, it's okay if we made a misstep. It's okay if we were wrong, but be able to own that and and say that because I think people appreciate that. They respect that that you own that mistake. We all have vulnerabilities, but be transparent about it. And how will we as a nation get through something? The division is not good. And just the disconnect and not listening or hearing the people. And it is disappointing. And instead of just kind of back going, writing a letter to the current administration be just like, I don't know, for me, banging my head against my brick wall over here over and over again. You're not going to be heard. So you know what? I'll do the best I can to start dealing with the issues I can within myself, my own family, my own community, and in my own backyard. Keep going. Keep doing that. What are your thoughts on rushing out a vaccine for COVID-19? Oh, you know, Probably not good. There is, I'm very worried about the, I don't want to say misinformation, but it's inconsistent information that's coming out that is making people very uncertain and making people leery and concerned. And I don't know how how fast they'll be to stand in line for a vaccine. That's That's to be seen. I don't know if we're close to one yet or not, but leery, leery right now. I'm a great one that will observe and collect data and look at all the information coming in. You know, going back to Superman's not coming, that that is something that everybody will have to weigh for themselves. And I would need to see a lot of consistent data on... I know everyone wants a vaccine and is concerned. It's new. It's obviously spreads very rapidly. We've lost a lot of lives. I feel I'm just deeply saddened for for the planet. Uh, but I, I do hope that we are cautious in, in moving forward with the vaccine. And I don't know that we'll see one this year. But if it just suddenly pops up, I tend to be the one to stand back and ask a lot of questions. You know, I've dealt with, you know, the Gardasil shots and the problems that have been there, what information gets reported and not reported. I'm, oh my gosh, if I have any kind of surgery, you should see what I put the poor anesthesiologist through. It's this data set. It's that one. Where are you from? How long? What? No, wait, stop. No, (laughs) I just, I don't know that I would trust something too early, even though we need it, but I'm very cautious. I'm very thoughtful. Wherever I'm at, I wear a mask. Definitely the social distancing, which has got, is really hard. I think that has been one of the hardest things for all of us and mental anguish that separate. We need each other. We need each other. So we'll see what happens on the vaccine front, but I will 
for me personally, oh, there will be a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we've spoken a lot about using our voice. We have a voice, use it and ask questions about everything and anything. Don't just, because someone says, do this, go left or go right. Don't just go left or go right. Like, what feels true for you? What resonates for you? Go within and always ask what feels and what resonates for yourself and use your voice. And I think I posted on my Instagram the other day, I just said, question everything. Like literally question everything and ask questions about everything and you decide what's best for you. Absolutely. And we oftentimes don't do that because, you know, nobody ever wants to be the first to raise their hand in the class, right? And eh, get the question wrong. And I don't care if I get the question wrong. You know, from day one, even out in Hinkley, somebody would asked me a question and I'm like, hell if I know, but I'll call the lawyer and find out. I mean, heck, if I know, I'll get the expert on the phone. Well, damn, that's a good question. I'm like, I don't know, but we're afraid to say we don't know. And if, if you can get past that, who cares? Ask a question, be involved. And it is up to us to be protective of our health and welfare. And, you know, moms are really good at this, especially their children. And I, you know, I talked to, it's interesting you asked this question about the vaccine because I had a conversation with my youngest today and she has three children about it. She goes, oh, hell did I know? No. And she'll give you that response based on, look at the limited information we have right now about the virus as a whole and even a vaccination. So she would not, She at this point, she'd go, no, hell of a name. So we just had this conversation. So, but you're right, ask those questions. And oftentimes you don't, because again, you're like, oh, should I say anything? Ooh, maybe I should, you know, I don't think I'm stupid. Well, no, I don't have this education. I should just shut up. Oh, you have every right to know. Yeah, it's your life. Like, and this goes for every area of your life, every area. Absolutely. Mm. Ask questions. So I'll be asking a lot of them. Yeah. Beautiful. I love the work that you are doing with the Assura and Marina, which for those of you that don't know, are contraceptive devices that get, you know, implanted and inserted. So why did you feel so called to speak up about that? Well, when Isher started years ago here, a small group of women came to me and they were definitely, they were well into the way of knowing that there was a huge problem with Isher. And they'd come to me about a legal perspective. And I'm not the attorney, but I'm the one that's attached to different firms. And I explained to them what I felt the problem would be. And that's called preemption. So over here in the United States, when something like Isher gets what's called pre-market approval from the FDA, Basically, once it's on the market, short of proving fraud, if there's an issue with the device, you're just kind of shit out of luck, if I may say that. And they were like, what? I mean, so what struck me first is I'm sh I was shocked that they didn't know this. And then I was shocked that I was even shocked that there was such a disconnect between our leadership and government and FDA and all these agencies with the people. And so they said, oh, no, we're just not going to have this. And so I started doing like the media side with them and helping create awareness that this device had obviously gone really bad. And they became 500 women to 5,000 women to 15,000 women to 25,000 women to 50,000 women on this Facebook. 
And let me tell you something. When 50,000 women are on the same page and they're pissed, just stand by and let them go because you're not going to stop them. And they became unstoppable. And it became very contagious from, you know, Europe calling, Australia, country after country, woman after woman that had this. And I'll tell you, they had stick to lists like nobody that I've ever seen in my life. Here in America, they started self-funding. They would send one group up to D.C. and they would go door to door. Every person, representative, congressman, woman, senator. Then when that group got tired, they'd send out. To, they didn't stop for years, for years, to, to the point where Bear finally took their product off the market. Lawsuits are still going on. But that is to... That's what I loved about it was there is something so inspiring and so empowering when that, that moment comes and you, you know, oh, I'm like, I'm like yes, they're going to go for it. And I just become their biggest cheerleader and they, they, they stand their ground. They don't want this to happen to other women. It happened to them. They became a huge source of support and an empowerment for each other. And they were on a mission. Moms on a mission. Women on a mission. Watch out. And they weren't going to stop till they got it removed from the market. And they did. That's amazing. And, you know, that's that's sweet people. And they are a model example, both in the marina and the Assure. These women, and they owned their voice and they did it without being ugly and followed through and organized and with determination and stubbornness and persistence like I never ever have seen. And they were loyal to their cause and to each other. Oh, wow. You don't ever want to get in the way of women on a mission. Mom's on a mission. Mom's on a mission. Just Step aside. Step aside. Get out of the way. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Amazing. I'm so, wow. Wow. That's awesome. Thank you for being part of that. Oh, I was so glad they reached out. You know, you go through so many phases in life and I'm truly in a legacy phase of my life and in what I can give to empower them and these next generations behind us. And, and they had a true sense of that as well. So others wouldn't be harmed. It, it, it will be up to us. They were amazing, amazing, amazing women. Just like you. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, thank you. You know, I do my part. I'm usually <laughs> the big cheerleader though. Sometimes that's all people need is, is someone just cheering them on because it gives them that little extra boost of confidence to move forward. You're again, very, very correct. I talk about in the book, if people need permission for me to act, you're going to get it. But what they're really asking for is support. Yeah. And we all can do with a bit of extra support. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we forget that and, and kindness to each other. And yeah, you look great today. And we never really know what somebody's going through, but to be supportive and and to be kind and to be hopeful and we're all going to have a down day and we all have our vulnerabilities. But again, if we can be there for each other, it, it goes a whole long, long, long 
way. It runs all hundred yards. And maybe just once in a while, if we can even remind that of ourselves or not, I find myself in a bad mood, but you know, to be there and support someone and say, you know, you got this, I believe in you. And that helps us to believe in ourselves. Absolutely. What's your definition of success? Happiness. Success isn't money. Success isn't fame. Success is being okay with yourself and loving yourself and accepting yourself and finding, I don't know, gratitude and happiness just to be a part of a, a very, a great, great life. There's so much beauty all the time. Happiness. And I think we think or we grow up with the idea that success is, you know, money, power, fame, or the, sometimes I just think we're, we chase false things. So for me, it's contentment and, you know, I'm okay the way I am and love myself that way. And it's a lesson that I've had to learn. And I haven't always felt good about myself or been okay with myself that way. But when I can embrace who I am and love myself, flaws and all, and take a breath and look at the beauty around me and my family, you know what? Hey, I'm doing okay. So you can have all the money in the world, but if your health fails you and family and loneliness takes over, it's very hard. So for me, success is finding you and being happy and okay with you. I love that so much. Yeah. I love that. I love your definition of success. I think it's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Well, thank you for asking. I had to pause for just a moment, you know, but you know, I learn every day and I'm learning right now. I, I don't know that I've had some of my shining moments during quarantine. Uh, I will certainly tell you, I was scared. I have not liked it. I felt alone. I felt anguish. I felt terrorized. I felt deep pain. And I so miss that connection. I love people. But it gave me some moments myself in silence. I don't know, to give myself that hug and say, it's going to be okay, kid, when no one else was around. And to Look at some of my own vulnerabilities again. And again, remind myself, you're going to be okay. Yes, you absolutely are. We all are. We all are, especially when we've got ourselves, that's for sure. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. And we think we, we don't have ourselves. We think we're alone, right? And mm-hmm. I was like, well, I think I'm here. You know, it's hard. Try, you know, I get a lot of thoughts going in my head and, and to not take your thoughts too seriously or realize that they're just thoughts. And also to connect with your heart because sometimes our mind, you know, can be our own worst enemy. And I I tell people that, you know, oftentimes no one's standing in our way, but ourselves. We are out of your own way, right? Yeah. We are sometimes our biggest block. I would love to hear if you had a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world besides your books. Zori's going to go and I never self-promote, but I'm really proud of the book. Well, let's pretend that's already in the curriculum because it should be. What is one other book you would choose? Any book, but for that, you know, that teenage, both boys and girls, that, that high school age, you know, where we're really kind of trying to find ourselves that sort of age. Oh, gosh. I'd have to really think about that because I was going to go with Silent Springs because I think the young age needs 
to learn and know more about the value of our environment. And from it, I don't know, you learn so much about yourself. So I don't, I don't know that that would be the best book, but I would encourage that book for reading. Certainly, we learn so much about ourselves through nature and through our environment. And I don't know that we talk about it enough or we realize the value of it. You know, we teach in a classroom and a brother us teach outside and let these kids have something hands-on. There's nothing like seeing is believing and touching and knowing. And from that experience, you learn something. My son, when he was younger, I had him in a, a school and it was more of a program to work with animals and be out in that kind of environment and learn through there. And he would literally, <laughs> you know, he learned a lot about if you don't saddle up a horse right, what happens? I mean, he learned a lot about feeding the emus and getting too close to the babies. He's like, you know, I'd say, what did you learn? And he'd be like, oh yeah, no, never get between a mama emu and don't. run for the nearest fence and get over. And, and you know, it just made me laugh in, in a way because we learn humbleness and gratefulness and amazement and science and such learning happens with that hands-on process. So that's why I went to something like Rachel Carson and Silent Springs, you know, and I think it becomes a moment where you're like, oh my God. So I was reading this book when I was, you know, a kid, it was in the sixties and for kids, even five, 10 years from now to put that book up and then to realize, wait a minute, this is still happening. What's going on might inspire them to get involved. But that's the first book that came to my mind. Well, let's go with that book and we'll link to it in the show notes as well as all of your amazing books and website, everything like that. So people can check that out. I would love to hear now, how do you take care of yourself? Like, do you have a morning routine? Like, what are your rituals, like your success rituals that set you up for the day? Do you meditate? Are you a yogi? Yeah, I'd love to hear how you kind of stay balanced within yourself. I usually will meditate at night because I can't turn my mind off. I'm going to sleep. So I do a lot of meditation. I have found breathing exercises really help me. I can be an anxious, you know, kind of <laughs> uptight person sometimes. And I'm like, I can't believe this is going on. My brain just goes over and over, even with my family or the kids. And I've been through divorce and I can get really focused and hooked on something that just can almost consume me and how I can break that. Breathing exercises help a lot. I am not afraid to say that I go to therapy. It helps me a lot. I say something out and my therapist will say it back and I'm like, did I just say that? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you did. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. But I like to cathart. I, I like to have a support group. I like to banter. I breathe. I like Pilates. But what I have found as I've gotten older that helps me a lot is strength training. And that I think that my diet, I don't think my diet, having an outlet exercise wise, long walks on the beaches, 
taking that moment to breathe, uh, to stop. And, you know, I talk about this in my lectures and I shared with you, realize, assess, and motivate, which stands for RAM. So let's be a RAM. But we lose our mojo. And I have. And it's the moment of self-renewal that every one of us needs. And it's that moment to stop, breathe, reboot and do something that you enjoy. And it could be yoga, Pilates, a round of golf, a good spa day, planting begonias, getting your hands in the soil, walking on the beach, you know, getting tossed around in the waves. But that moment that can almost break a cycle, but gives you time to renew. And we we have to do that. And I don't know that we do it often enough. But for me, and I, I'll go like this and, you know, I'll be feeling really good and I've done everything and then I'll just get off track enough to realize, oh my gosh, I don't feel good. I'm not eating right. I, ugh, I've overeaten. Oh, wait a minute. I haven't worked out in weeks. Oh, how important that is to my overall well-being. Exercise, diet, time for yourself. And taking some good old deep breaths. You know how often I don't even think we realize we're actually breathing? Oh, wait a minute. Let me check. And breathe. Totally. I love all of those things, especially the long walks on the beach. But yeah, you're right. So many times I'll be working and I'll catch myself and I'm like, Melissa, you're not even breathing. You're not even breathing. Right? Yep. It's important. So so those are kind of like some of my rituals. And they're not much... As soon as I'm up, bing, this comes on. I go, you know, straight for that coffee and off and running. I, my rituals at night, how I wind down and transition into some good sleep. And that's really important. And that's when you meditate. Yes. What type of meditation do you do? I like the Calm app. I like the breathing app. I listen to Eckhart Tolle's. One of my favorites is stillness speaks because at night when it's still, it says so much and I can get lost in that. I'm just, I find myself drifting off to sleep. I don't like necessarily stories. I like tones. I like drum beats. I like white noise. It almost feels like it changes my, my pattern. And I look for stuff like that, but it's definitely will be somebody's voice. And if it's soothing, sounds of waves, white noise. And I'm really attracted to beat drumbeat sounds. Mm. I'll have to send you some of my meditations. I've got guided meditations that have binaural beats and isochronic tones and self-regio frequencies. So I'll send you those. I love that. Oh, please do. Gosh, that would be amazing. I love stuff like that. Yeah, me too. So that sounds awesome. I love that you have some rituals that set you up for the day and also that are going to help you wind down so you can fall into that deep restorative sleep. So I love that. So I have three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? (laughs) My best I can. Okay. So what is one thing that we can do today for our health to really improve our health? Just one little tip. Rapid fire. There's so many that come to mind. For me, get outside. That's the first thing that comes to me. Get outside. Get out and walk. Get out on the beach. Go to the park. Get on a swing. Get outside. Feel the sun side. 
on your face, the, the humidity, the warmth, the breeze, get outside. Love it. What's one thing that we can do for more wealth? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Self-love. Yeah. Love that. Love yourself. And what's one thing that we can do for more love in our life? Be kind. To yourself and others. (laughs) (laughs) Be kind. Yes, yes. What's bringing you the most joy in your life right now? Certainly my grandchildren. Right this minute is my my grandson. He's 15 months old and watching him learn to swim here at the house. And it's more like survival swimming. You know, drowning is a serious issue and a leading cause of death. I can't imagine the grief that somebody goes through. So it's very important to me that he swim <laughs> and, and how I run <laughs> like a cowardly grandma. I can't watch inside every day. And my daughter's like, mom. He needs the floaties on his arms. So does he have those? No. No. He's learning. He has to learn. He's 15 months old. If he falls in the pool, not to swing, how to breathe with his lungs to come up and instinctually flip to his back till he gets to safety. Now, he'd never be out here alone, but even knowing how to do that uh, is baby survival. And so many children do drown. And But to see his excitement when he does it, and he gets out all afraid and upset. And then all of a sudden, he wants to go right back in. He's, he found that confidence. And that, that's been a lot of fun lately. I'm a big animal lover, you know, just of late and being here alone, just being quiet and observing the, <laughs> the little peculiarities of my animals. <laughs> and just, uh, I've been posting a lot and I've stopped enough. I have some amazing bird nests hummingbirds, morning love doves. Those are some simple things that have actually given me some great joy during a time where I have, I I myself have been very, at points, very fearful, very uncertain and felt very, very sad. So I guess it is again, back to nature. It's always draws me home. Yep. It's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful thing that we all have access to. So, yeah, I love I love that you mentioned that. Well, and you have so much of it in your oh. area. Oh, my goodness, yes. I know you were recently in my hometown of the Sunshine Coast for everything that they were doing with the water, which I was trying to get you on the podcast then, but now is great. But, yeah, what did you think of our beautiful city? You're, and where are you? The Sunshine Coast. Oh, well, I've been up there several. It's it's beautiful. I have said from the day I started coming to Australia, oh gosh, dare do I date myself? It's a long time ago. I've been to Australia so many times. I feel very sad that I can't get over there right now. You'll have to come back. It's so beautiful. It is. I love the people. You know, I'm a fan of the koalas. (laughs) Your wildlife, these amazing gifts that you have. Your beaches, the Great Barrier Reef, the Dane Tree Forest, the koalas. It's so unique. The people, one of my favorite places on this planet. And, and I, I hope for all of you that you will embrace that incredible gift that you've all been given. Oh, yeah. It's stunning. Every day I'm so grateful to live here. It's so beautiful. Whereabouts are you? I live in Agoura Hills, California, so I'm out up in the mountains. I sit right on top of Malibu. 
Oh, wow. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It really is. But I don't have a koala hanging in the tree. Yeah. Or kangaroos. And you know, hop it on by. Or that Great Barrier Reef. You have so many incredible gifts. We do. We do. I hope to see you next time you're here. My husband's parents live on 30 acres and there's kangaroos and deer and bush turkeys. And it's amazing. Fearless. I'm so jealous. (laughs) (laughs) Well, next time you're here, I'll take you there. Thank you. I'll call (laughs) you. I'm going to follow up on that, right? Yeah, for sure. This, Erin, has been so amazing. Is there anything else that you want to share? Any last parting words of wisdom or anything that you wanted to talk about that I didn't get to ask you? You ask great questions. You know, I just want to share with everybody. I mean, it feels like we're worlds apart, but we're all one here. And during these tumultuous times, you know, again, be kind to yourself, embrace your family, embrace the beauty and the nature yeah, I talk a lot about, I'll end with this, my programs, logic, leverage, loyalty. Logic is using your common sense. Leverage is joining with your neighbors. Loyalty is staying true to the cause. And the last one to ask ourselves every day, our why. What's your why? Why? And why we do what we do. And it's born of love. And so don't ever forget during some of our darkest hours that love will prevail. Love will save us all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You are such a trailblazer. You are a light. You help and serve and support and cheer people on all over the world. And I'm a big believer in service. So I want to know how I and the listeners can give back to you. How can we serve you today? I would have never even thought of that just by to make everything we've talked about. Just be you and extend your hand of kindness and help and support and service and love to another. You know, Aaron Brockovich was not my favorite film. Pay It Forward is. Wow. Wow. Aaron Brockovich, this has been so beautiful. You are such a light. Thank you so much for all the work that you do in the world and for giving us your time today. Keep going, keep shining, keep being you. Thank you so much. And you as well. You're absolutely delightful and I've enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Be well. Wasn't that awesome? What a powerhouse. Seriously, she is so inspiring. I loved today's conversation. I got so much out of it and I feel really inspired to do more for the planet. Absolutely. And I hope you did too. And if you did get a lot out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that you could potentially be the review of the week for next week, which is pretty awesome. So don't forget to come and follow me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me your top key takeaways from this episode. I absolutely love reading every single one of them. And for everything that Erin and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that's over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 331. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please be an angel and share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, my darling, 
Don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.